This is the Seafair Investor Podcast, bringing you the tides on investing and personal finance from two millennial seafarers and alike. I am your host, Soshin, a full-time seafarer, a value investor, and a personal finance enthusiast. Welcome to episode 30. And wow, <laughs> um, before I go introducing our repeat guests for today's interview, I just want to say that this is kind of a milestone for this podcast, reaching its 30th episode today. <laughs> and looking back when I started the podcast late 2021, I never thought I will manage to publish 30 episodes so far. <laughs> and that time, I only thought that maybe I will only manage a few episodes and call it quits. Like, I'm just dipping my toes in the water and finding it really cold. <laughs> but it's because of you, my listeners, and my close friends that are really supportive on this passion project of mine that I managed to pull through until now. So thank you and happy 30th episode, I guess. <laughs> and also you will notice for longtime listeners that I changed my podcast logo. I hope you all like it. <laughs> Anyway, back to our repeat guest for today, and it's the one and only CEO of AAA Equities, William Kabangan. For those who have been listening in the podcast, he was my guest in episode 19, where he talked about macroeconomics of the Philippines, um, personal finance, and uh, investing. The conversation we had on episode 19 was such a treat that I can't help but ask him again to be in the show. It was also the top listened episode in my podcast, so the public interest is there. And on this episode, we will talk about the Philippine stock market. And this one will be a really good primer or starting point for anyone who wants to know more about my country's stock market, as... William gives his usual contrarian and objective view on what the Philippine market really is, especially him leading a top brokerage firm in our country. Now, without further ado, let's go to my conversation with William Kabangan. William Kabangan, welcome back to the Seafair Investor Podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm happy to be back here for the second time. Yes, uh, thank you for being back on the show and uh, for the second time. And as as the previous episode we've done together, it was really a hit. And <laughs> it is among the top listened episode in my podcast so far. So maybe the the Noel Kabang on Charm, you know, you know, <laughs> got a lot of people in the <laughs> podcast. <laughs> That's really flattering. I, I I think I hold a lot of uh non-consensus opinions so hopefully i can i can keep sharing those now <laughs> actually the the most popular that i the feed, feedback I, I got because i i posted our a short clip you know you you uh sharing your opinion about if uh, you know minimum wage earners 
should be in the stock market and you have like a non-consensus opinion and a lot of people, you know, actually agreed, <laughs> actually agreed and they did not feel, you know, um, a bit <laughs> not uh, opinionated about it. So it was really nice. Yeah, I'm happy to hear that. <laughs> so I, I remember in the last episode we did together and we, we talked and hoped that the market would be in a much better place. But I know, you know, two months is a really short time frame <laughs> in my market cycles. And so that's why we will be talking now about the Philippine stock market in general. And I figured there's no other p- better person to talk with about this than you. So that's why I have you here again in the show. So I really appreciate it. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm really flattered that, that you say that. Uh, you've had some really great guests on here. Um, maybe well, I I try to be as honest and the sort of not as cheerleady as I can when it comes to these conversations. Yeah, I, I think that's that's your their main, you know, um, edge and also maybe the reason why you've been listened so much in the podcast in the show because you share a lot of um contrarian opinions about a lot of topics that people take for granted. <laughs> so um right off the bat, you know, we will go to the topic and what do you think about the Philippine stock market in general? I mean your your first impressions on the top of your head the the raw raw thoughts about our about about our philippine market i i guess if i could summarize my thoughts on the philippine market maybe in one word or one phrase it would be untapped potential um mm. and of course i think the listeners can take that either as a positive or a negative right they can interpret it as a positive or a negative but but i i mean it overwhelmingly as a positive um mm-hmm. you know the philippines is one of the world's biggest economies right um it's hmm. not it's we're not a small poor country we are one of the world's biggest economies but our stock market does not reflect that uh less than 1% of our population is invested in the stock market that's a statistic that everybody throws around mm-hmm. um but you know as i said some people could take that as a negative right that we're not living up to expectations and to some extent we're not but the optimist in me and and, and i do believe at the end of the day all investors are optimists because we're all in here hoping yes. to make money uh, yes. i think the optimist in me views that information as we have so much runway ahead of us to move you know forward and I don't mean to sound like you know a cheerleader, like a politician who's always positive. But <laughs> again, like if if I wasn't if I wasn't bullish on this market uh, to that degree, then I wouldn't be here. So you know, I I I hope that in itself is enough proof that the I'm bullish on on this market in in the long term. Yeah, I, I want to side. Sorry to be to side sidetrack side a bit, but isn't that isn't like um uh, you're you're being we're being affected by this uh, home country bias because of course you're you're gonna be always biased where wherever country you're born with and you're familiar with. Yeah, you know, of course there is home country bias, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Never once in my life did I think 
huh, maybe I should go invest in the Sri Lankan stock market, right? <laughs> I don't know anything about that country. It might be a nice stock market. I have no idea, right? Mm-hmm. But, you know, it, trying to take an objective view uh, of the Philippine market, I I think I'm better off investing here than, say, the European stock market or the Japanese stock market. And I think a lot of people, a lot of listeners right now are raising their eyebrows saying, did did Will really just say that he'd rather be invested in the PSE than Japan or Europe? Well, <laughs> uh, yeah, I think so. I think the upside is much higher. But that's a conversation for another day. Um, but yeah, you're right. There is home There is home bias. I, I can't help it. Um, it helps to invest in a stock market where the trading hours are in line with my waking hours. <laughs> so, you know, there's, there's a lot of biases that, 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 that point me towards PSE, but hey, uh, that's just life. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you mention, because you mentioned earlier that you, you, you think the Philippines have, run, have a big, long runway of growth. And I, I don't want to ask for us to sound like, you know, a, a market forecaster here, but which which uh, which runways of growth do you think the uh, Philippines will grow into? Oh, I mean, we 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 can dive deep into this stuff later, but mm-hmm. you know, referencing the stuff I mentioned earlier, we still only have a very small percent of our population um, invested in the stock market right now. Everyone says that the Philippines is a consumer economy, right? Everyone says mm-hmm. cons- it's driven by the consumer. We're a consumer economy. The consumer economies don't last. Eventually, consumer-driven economies eventually transition into investment-driven economies, mm-hmm. right? You a- every every country eventually hits a certain level of wealth, where They've consumed everything they wanted to consume and all of their extra income now goes into investments. I do think we're headed towards that path. Um, Every year for the last, I think, six or seven or eight years, uh, the number of accounts being opened with the PSE has grown higher and higher and higher, right? So I think that that says a lot about an expanding middle class. that That says a lot about an expanding investing class, so in that regard, you know, just demographics-wise, there's a lot of, of runway there. Uh, other, other places where I think the Philippines is grouped to grow is really developing key industries that I think we can market to the world. Now, we can discuss this more later, but when, when you think mm-hmm. about, let's say, the Australian stock market, you think of mining. Right, every big yeah. mining company is in Australia. Uh, when you think about our regional peers, Indonesia, Malaysia, you really think about the petroleum stocks, uh, agricultural stocks. But I think we're at a place right now with in the Philippines where I don't think we really have that kind of identity yet. That if I were an outside investor looking in. I don't think that there is one key industry in the Philippines uh, that I want exposure to, right? Mm-hmm. The, the most heavily weighted stock in the Philippines is a mall. It's a mall stock. It's SM. It's SM Investments. So, mm-hmm. I mean, do I really want 
is that really a compelling enough company for me to invest in the Philippines, right? Because, you know, again, you look at Saudi Arabia, they, they have a very good company there that, that you might want exposure to, Saudi Aramco. Mm, yeah. Uh, so I don't think we have that industry or that company yet in the Philippines that really sort of puts a brand on on our market but i do think we're on that path and we can we can discuss what that path is later on in the podcast yeah so it's like philippines is still like a teenager you know trying to find his uh, <laughs> his identity into adulthood so so uh, you you so now it's a this is a perfect you know transition because you mentioned outside investor and uh, so my question is let's say you're a foreign investor and and uh, so what will what will make you invest in the Philippine stock market, and what will not make you invest as a foreign investor? I think I've said a lot about our local economy and what our stock market has to offer. So I'm going to take a bit of a detour here and mm-hmm. maybe take this conversation in a direction that you or the listeners didn't expect. Uh, I think a <laughs> very strong reason, I think a very strong reason for why in, why foreigners should invest in the Philippines Uh and I think this is going to be a controversial answer and one that perhaps the listeners won't agree with. I think mm-hmm. a very strong reason for why a foreign investor should invest here is that our tax regime is so good. What do I oh. mean? Oh, when you okay. invest in the stock market, when you invest in the stock market, the only tax you pay is when you sell your shares. You pay 0.6% in taxes on your gross selling value. Now, everyone's, everyone complains about this number. Everyone says, wow, 0.6%, I pay it no matter what. You know, it's, it's so big. Let's, let's, let's pause this conversation for a bit because let's take a look at what people outside the Philippines mm-hmm. are paying. Right? You, you look at the Europeans, the Americans, the Japanese, they're paying capital gains taxes on all their gains of 25 or 30 or 40 percent, right? If I earned one million dollars in the in the American stock market, I have to pay the government three hundred thousand dollars. Oh, okay. So, sorry to 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 interject a bit, but you mentioned 0.6 percent on the capital gains tax. That applies also to foreign investors, or or it's only in local. So, so the 0.6 percent is not capital gains. It's on your it's a, it's a sales tax so mm-hmm. it applies to ev- to to both your principal and your gains mm. so if i have 1 million peso principal and i double it to 2 million and i sell i'm paying 0.6% on the whole 2 million but mm, okay. if i was in the us market i turn 1 million into 2 million i'm paying 30% of my 1 million peso of or rather my 1 million dollar gains so that's $300,000 in taxes in the US versus here, it's, uh, what is it, 12,000 pesos yeah, roughly. on 1 million peso in gains. It's basically zero, right, when you're comparing <laughs> it to how much gains you make. And I know that this is attractive to foreign investors because I was recently on a, on a vacation and I met this German guy and he was so proud of... Uh, this of his little investment scheme because he said that he hired a ton of lawyers 
and incorporated a bunch of shell companies in Germany and all around some random tax havens. And he said, Will, I'm so proud. You know, I spent all this money on lawyers and and hiding my my financial footprint. <laughs> and now I only have to pay 6% in, in capital gains tax. And I look at him and go, hey, man, go to in the, the Philippines, Philippines bro. everyone buy <laughs> Everyone by default only pays 0.6%. We don't have to we don't have to pay any lawyers to to do some borderline illegal stuff. <laughs> and, and 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 then and he, he looks at me, he looks at me with a with a straight face and goes, How do I open a, a company in the Philippines? <laughs> oh wow. Yeah. So yeah, I, I think you know. Th- that's not something that, that people think about. People only ever complain about taxes, but I don't think enough people sort of zoom out and see the tax rates that are being paid elsewhere in the world. Um, so I think that's one big reason for why investors, foreign investors should be taking a look at the Philippines, right? Mm. You're, you end up taking home so much more of your gains uh, here in the Philippines than you would in most other countries in the world, I would imagine. Yeah, so that's a really, actually, a really interesting take. And I actually did not expect it. I was expecting a bit more, you know, because, you know, because the Philippines is an emerging country and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but that's a really, uh, actually, a really compelling take on why invest in the Philippines because we're, we're actually don't care about taxes. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I, I was considering answering it the, in, with the whole patriotic the philippines is an emerging country <laughs> but come on right like no one's interested in, in hearing that from me we hear that every day uh, <laughs> yes i i thought i thought this i thought this was a more economic mathematical answer to that question mm-hmm. <laughs> yes it's more actually really a straightforward answer to to uh, the question so so now you answered what will make you invest in the philippine stock market so what will not make you invest as a foreign investor Okay, I'm going to answer the other side of that coin. <laughs> it's that, right? Fees in, the Fili- fees in the Philippine stock market come in two forms. It's in taxes, which we discussed, and the other mm-hmm. form is in broker commissions. And I might be the first broker in the history of stock brokers to ever say that stock broker commissions in the Philippines are way too high. I am a big advocate that that these fees should come down. Now, I can I can see the faces of the listeners already. They're saying, "Will, <laughs> how could you say that? Why don't you just lower your fees then?" Yes, yes. I would love yes, to lower. I'm... I would love to lower my fees. I would love mm-hmm. to lower my fees. But unfortunately, there is a there is a regulation that that hmm. sets a price floor on how low we can charge. So so I think this prevents a price war among brokers. So Right now, we charge 0.25% in commissions. Um, We're not allowed to charge any lower than that. And that's why everyone charges the same rate. That's the floor. It's not some sort of... It's the floor. It's the floor. It's the the lowest we could could legally charge. Um, I'm personally... I I hope the regulators are listening to your podcast because I personally believe (laughs) that we need to get rid of that floor. Right? Let's Mm -hmm. Let's make this industry more competitive. Right? If I can charge a lower commission... Because I have lower operating expenses than the other brokers, mm-hmm. then let me do it. 
And and naturally, you know, that that high commission rate is a deterrent, right? It's 0.25% to buy, another 0.25% to sell. That means I have to earn at least half a percent on my investment to get out at break even just on the commissions, right? The taxes aside, mm-hmm. that's a different issue. Um, so I think that is something that, that I know for a fact has deterred foreign investors. I have spoken to, to some foreign investors who said that they can't really touch this market because the fees are too high. Uh, particularly funds whose style is high-frequency trading. Right. Oh, yes. If if you're if you're if you're trading a hundred thousand orders a day, you can't be paying those fees because you'd never make it back, right? Yes. Your 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 profit margin is 0.1%, 0.2%, right? It's not 0.5, it's not 0.6. <laughs> so you know it it I know for a fact that it discourages some people. Mm. Have you actually expressed this concern on you know regulators like in the SEC in the Philippines? Yeah, I've I've discussed it with some people, but it's it's way above my pay grade. I I am one player in a very large industry, and I'm not that big of a player. Mm-hmm. I can also imagine that you're a bit more, you know, you have a less operating costs than other brokers because given you're mostly online, and I don't know if you have like a trading floor on your own, but yeah, I can just imagine. Yeah, I mean, it's I think I think that discussion. Is actually happening right now, but but I don't know how far along it is. I don't want to give re- your listeners the impression that we're gonna go to commission free trading by twenty twenty three. I I don't think that's happening. Um, but I think th- those conversations are happening, and it would be you know it would be a huge huge benefit to. To, to to customers and investors if yeah. if that were to materialize I, I actually can just imagine you know the the domino effect when you know the foreign investors you know pile in and then suddenly the market and then it will become like not not the flywheel i don't want oh my god i don't want to use that term but it's it's gonna be you know uh, entice more retail investors it, it's it's gonna it's gonna blow out into the economy and i hope you know, it will grow the time of one percent in the population, and if we can get to at least you know ten percent in my lifetime, I will be more than happy. <laughs> oh, for sure. We we have a saying in the brokerage industry that liquidity begets liquidity. So, mm-hmm. more having more investors in your market entices even more investors, which is I think what you meant. Uh, I, I I do hope we get there, because the more local participation we have the more enticing it becomes for foreign participation, mm-hmm. which then again brings it back to, to more local participation. So I, I, re- I really am firmly hoping that we can achieve that sort of positive feedback effect. It's a scale advantage. You know, it, 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 it stacks on each other. Yeah. So I, I want to ask now, I mean, to, for, for foreign investors who, who don't, you know, um, monitor the market every day or for people who are interested uh, checking on the Philippine stock market. What do you think drives the overall return of Philippine stock market? I know this is such a broad question. Uh, I can I can be more specific or with to which industry it is heavy in, but you already 
um, said it. <laughs> well, our index, our stock market is dominated by conglomerates. That's just the reality of <laughs> our own market. I, th- I think out of our 30 index names, I think 25 are, you know, bro- brother-sister companies among themselves, right? <laughs> we are a stock market of really, really big sort of family businesses effectively. So in that regard, you know, that handful of companies really drives, by definition, the returns of, of the whole index. Um, it has its positives and its negatives, right? I think, I think to some degree, it gives, to some degree, it doesn't give investors enough choice. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm not necessarily interested in investing in five different banks and three different telcos and six different property developers because at the end of the day, the largest conglomerates all sort of have the same core businesses, right? Every single, every single conglomerate has a property arm that's massive, right? Whether it's SM Prime, Ayala Land, uh, Robinson's Land, right? They all have these giant property arms. Oh, and guess what? They also have a bank that finances <laughs> these property arms, right? I mean, you know, yeah. it it, yeah. it can get repetitive, and sometimes as an investor, it's a little it's a little frustrating to be like, oh, you know, like this bank has 0.3 percent wider margins than the next bank, and sometimes you have to ask yourself. Okay, big deal, right? Like, <laughs> is, is that it? Um, so sometimes it does get it does get a bit frustrating. But I don't want to sound too negative. On the positive side, on the positive side, it has, at least for me, really given me sort of this small universe of stocks has really allowed me to understand our market really well. Hmm. Right, I I by myself have been able to cover basically every liquid stock in the Philippines. Right, I understand how how news affects this and that industry. I understand um, how the owners, you know, might want to position so and so business. Right, so in, in effect, that smaller universe has given me sort of the mental capacity to understand it because. Take, for example, the U.S. market where there's thousands of stocks, oh, Yes, right? One person could not possibly follow even a fraction of those companies, <laughs> right? So I, I, I think because of this sort of universe, the smaller universe, uh, we as individual investors actually have a pretty good fighting chance against the big research houses who hire you know ten people to, to analyze the market? Can you expand more into what what kind of you know fighting chance? Because it's it's quite intriguing when you said that. Well, when you're dealing with a market with say a thousand different stocks, it's gonna be very hard for me to analyze banking stocks as well as telecom stocks, right? They're so different, and there's so many of each. Right, uh, the U.S. has hundreds of banking stocks and hundreds of telecom stocks. I probably couldn't even name you all of them, right? <laughs> but here, you know, 
we have we have a smaller universe. Mm-hmm. I know. Well, for one, I know the names of every single bank and every single telecom stock. Mm-hmm. I have an idea of what their financial statements look like. I know who's making money. I know um, who's losing money. I know whose management team is competent, right? <clears throat> Just having that smaller universe allows me to stay on top of the information better. Um, because in a larger market, I would be relying on sell-side analysts to tell me which is the good one because I don't have time to research a hundred different banks. But here, you know what? Six banks, I can probably do that, right? Three telcos, I can probably do that myself. Um, and that's and that's why I say that the informational advantage of institutional players is not as big as they would be in other markets. Mm-hmm. In many senses, I think we're in a in a fairer playing field if you're coming from an individual investor's perspective. Yeah, I, I quite agree actually because it, in in the US or or in, in UK, if you have if you have the patience to to sift through the penny stocks and the pink sheets, <laughs> you can actually find some gems there. But of course, it needs a bit more you know, due diligence to check out those companies because most of them can be fraud, you know, or shell companies. So. <laughs> so yeah, I quite quite agree. But you you mentioned that you know uh, the Philippine stock market is kind of a smaller universe. And does it mean because because of it being a small universe and you know you can quite intimately can know each company because you know Philippines has only like less than three hundred stocks listed, I guess. And does it mean being small it becomes more efficient? You know the market is being more efficient. Is that what you mean, or is it like in another uh, way? Absolutely not. <laughs> I don't. I I don't believe stock markets are efficient. Oh no! Um, yes, yes. That 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 conversation we can save for a future episode. <laughs> efficient market um, because, uh, hypothesis. Yeah. Because that's 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 a whole other conversation. But what what I meant was in a smaller universe, you know, like I said earlier, you, you have the informational advantage. Um, I I don't think we're any more efficient. I actually think. That we're less efficient than <laughs> yes. than other markets, just because we don't have so many tools uh, that that other markets have. Now, of course, listeners now are thinking. Of course, it's shorting. Will is talking about shorting, <laughs> right? The Philippines doesn't doesn't have shorting, so it's less efficient. I actually don't think shorting is that big of a deal. Uh, I don't think that it's going to be what unlocks liquidity mm. in our market. And I I don't think that, you know, if if your portfolio isn't doing too well right now, I'm sorry to break your heart, but I don't think having access to shorting is what will turn you into George Soros, <laughs> right? Because that's how I view it myself too. Um, I'm I know about answering your question, and I'm now sort of ranting. I hope you forgive me, but it's okay. I actually think, I actually think that what our regulators can do to really unlock liquidity in this market is to expand uh, the use of leverage. Hmm. Right now, the the leverage limit in the PSE is 2x, right? And that might sound like a decent amount if you're a retail investor. But if you're institutional, right? If you're someone who has sophisticated 
uh, strategies. 2x really isn't a lot, right? You you could get 10x on an on on an American broker. You can get 100x in crypto, but let's not even go there because that's already irresponsible. <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, but you know, 2x is much too small, and if we were to allow a bit more leverage in this market. I mean, you're scaling liquidity by several factors. So that's my personal take that I don't think a lot of people talk about. But I think more than anything, more than introducing more indices, more than introducing shorting, uh, I really think leverage is the key here. But don't you think that given how low most or or the low the financial literacy of Filipinos how do you think that having more access to leverage can you know deter more of them to hate the stock market or or are you talking to for the benefit of institutional investors well i'm talking to the benefit of everyone um i don't want to talk down to people and say oh you're retail therefore you shouldn't have access to any leverage no that's that's mm-hmm. you know i don't think that's fair to assume of people um i think in large part that's why people gravitate to markets with leverage, uh, right? I, I I don't think barring them from that access to the local market uh, gets rid of that desire or that or that need by many investors. So I I actually don't agree because I, I as we've known you know in in the US there's always you know this margin calls of <laughs> being it's it's the short squeeze in the Wall Street bet. So yeah, it it can have you know because you know as we both know. Leverage can, yeah, it can magnify your returns, but it can also magnify your losses. So people need to understand those. That's true. There, there is, of course, always a responsible amount of leverage to be used. Mm-hmm. Um, but then again, if you're the kind of person to be using a hundred x leverage on shit coins, <laughs> right? If you're that kind of person, of course, it's a crypto. <laughs> uh, if you're that kind of person and your account goes to zero. I, if if I were a betting man, I think you could turn your account to zero without any leverage. So, <laughs> you know, it it ultimately comes down to the type of of investor or trader that you are. Yeah, I I agree. I agree. You can shoot. It doesn't matter if you can shoot yourself in the leg. It, it will go to zero if you have if you're that kind of investor. <laughs> so I want to you know scale back and go back to our to our country. <laughs> So what what do you think of the PSEI or the PSE index? And do you think the the how they <clears throat> structure the index in in the Philippines and you know, the top thirty companies? Do you think it captures our economy efficiently as a whole, or what do you think? Do I think it captures our economy? Uh, no, I don't think it does at all. Really. <laughs> uh, our economy, and I don't mean that as a joke. I mean, our economy is dominated mm-hmm. first and foremost by small and medium enterprises, right? SMEs, yes. as we call them, are the largest employers in in our country, right? They create the most jobs and they don't really get any um, representation in our stock market. Yeah, there's an SME board, right? You, ha- you have your, re- your, your small cap stocks, that that to some extent are SMEs, but they're not really the sort of mom and pop SMEs 
that are the backbone of this country, right? And that's just one example. Uh, let's take a look, for example, at OFWs, right? OFWs are a massive part of our economy. They're not mm-hmm. really, you know, I couldn't invest in the OFW sort of universe through through the PSEI. So, you know, there are some flaws. But I must say, today's PSEI does of a does a hell of a lot better job at at representing our economy than it did 30 years ago. Now, of course, I wasn't I wasn't born 30 years ago. I definitely wasn't investing 30 years ago. And I imagine your listeners weren't, you know, yeah. even the older ones weren't weren't paying attention to the PSE 30 years ago. But 30 years ago, the PSEI, uh, the single biggest member of the PSEI those those decades ago was PLDT. And I forget, I forget the exact weighting. But it was something like sixty or seventy percent of the index. Oh my! Wow! Right? That's wow, indeed. Right? P- PLDT was basically the only stock that moved the index. Right? For for comparison, today the highest weighted stock in our index is SM Investments. It's thirteen percent, one mm. three, right? And it it already has a big effect on our index when it moves up three percent. Right? It swings the whole thing green. Mm-hmm. Uh, but can you imagine if if one single stock was 70%, 60% of your index, you 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 don't even need to touch the other stocks anymore. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in 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 that regard, the evolution of our index does a hell of a lot better job today of representing our economy than it did uh, all those years ago. And I think every year, every year it does a better job. So, what in what areas do you think that the index can improve and you know benefit more investors or the economy well ultimately it comes down to having more companies list mm. right for example two of the or rather three or sorry two two of the newest index members are converge and mondenisen right neither of those companies were listed 5 years ago and yeah. I can name you a lot of companies that d- that deserve to be in that index that aren't listed, right? Unilab, for example. Yes, Unilab. Uh, oh my God, Unilab. Yeah, <laughs> right. I think I think that's the poster child for very large private business. Um, so I think we will have to find a way to get more listings. Again, this is a so totally separate conversation <laughs> i could go on for hours about this yeah but ultimately you know th- the only way to get the index to be more representative of the of the economy is to have more listings mm-hmm. and i i think I, I can you know um give some props to monson because i i think he kind of um is is on the the requirements i forgot which requirement is on to to be listed and the stock exchange, but but of course, the the reason that if you want to be listed in the stock exchange because you want more capital, and those private businesses that are really big and really good, they don't have the incentive to go public because because why not? Uh, unless their investors want to unlock uh, some value or you know li- exit the liquidity, but other than that, it's it's the incentives. You know, I don't know how. 
our stock exchange can entice them to you know to list themselves yeah. but yeah yeah i think you hit the nail on the head there for a lot of these companies that are already extremely profitable mm-hmm. you're right there really isn't much incentive right why would i want to open my statements to the world yes. <laughs> have my com- have my competitors read you know how much money i'm making what my expenses <laughs> are you know I- i'm going to have to hire an entire team of compliance people it's it's a headache right let's face mm-hmm. it for a lot of these people um i do think that the exchange is unfairly uh given the responsibility for creating incentives for these companies mm-hmm. uh i think a lot of the incentives go beyond the exchange so i, I think to a large extent it ends up being with the regulator and not or or rather with uh, with 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 legislators right perhaps we can give listed companies tax breaks right these aren't things that you know the exchange controls but maybe the higher powers can can help move things that direction yeah i, I totally agree there uh, there's so much you know uh that needs to be improved in the Philippines, and of course, I'm I'm gonna be <laughs> I'm gonna be biased. Of course, I have a home country bias, and sixty percent of my you know equities portfolio is in, in the Philippines. But I actually want to lower it lower it down to diversify. But uh, yeah, we have so much uh, things to go and move on. So I, I want to move the conversation into the industries in the Philippine market. What what industry you know perks or interests you the most what industry interests me the most um i'm going to rephrase that question Mm -hmm. because i'm not particularly interested for the intellectual side of it (laughs) when i ask myself what i'm interested in and what i'm really asking myself is what industries do i see the most upside in Mm -hmm. Um, so that's the question i'm going to be answering and I think this ties back to what I said earlier about how the Philippines needs to craft a global brand for itself, much like how Australia has mining and how you know Saudi and the Middle East has petroleum. Um, I think these two industries have the potential to really create that brand for the Philippines for foreign investors to get invested. The first industry is mining. Mm-hmm. Of course, we have a handful of mining companies already, but that's nowhere near enough, right? The Philippines is the second largest producer of nickel in the world, right? Not a lot of people know that, um, but we have so much more to offer, right? The mining industry creates thousands and thousands of jobs. It creates billions in in GDP, but it's not something that our country has necessarily been pushing on. It's not something that we've been focusing on for some reason. Um, I th- I think I think the co- I think the current government's sort of changing their their tune on that. Yeah, but I think that's what that's that's one industry that I think that that contains you know massive potential. The other industry which is the other side of the coin, 
is renew renewable energy, yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, what, a, what what a transition, right? Yeah, From it's, mining it's to a, renewable it's a energy. Parkour. It's a parkour of uh, opposite. It's a parkour. <laughs> but I think we've done. I have to give the, the exchange a lot of credit for pushing renewable energy, right? Our exchange has made listing solar companies and renewable energy companies a much easier a much easier venture. I think that industry is another one that can really unlock value for the Philippines. Because I don't really think the world has a renewable energy capital yet. And mm. I th- I do think that that is a niche that perhaps the Philippines can fit in. After all, we're a country that's sunny basically 99% of the time, you know. It doesn't make sense that the most solar company in the world the, the most solar country in the world is Germany where <laughs> yeah. in the winter they have 3 hours of sunlight. It doesn't really make sense, does it? Yeah. But it makes a it makes a hell of a lot yeah, more yeah. sense for the Philippines. So yeah, in short, I think those two industries right now have the most upside, and are and 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 by that and by that definition are the most interesting to me. I always like how you dig, how you always you know uh, put the step further in my in my questions, and I really appreciate those. Yeah, but I want to ask uh, about the um your 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 side on the mining and and such, and given how. How the public, you know, also because uh, the, the reason I think that you know mining companies are being not really you know celebrated here in our country because of so much scandals uh, the previous years on m- involving mining companies and, and such. So, so my take on mining is obviously a lot of people hate it because it's bad for the environment, right? That it's you know anti ESG, that you know. It has it has a lot of these issues, but if there's anything the last year or two has exposed, is that the world needs commodities, right? We can we can bang our fists on the table as much as we like that we we shouldn't you know be mining for oil anymore, but at the end of the day, you're not allowed to complain about the high price of oil but also lobby to stop mining oil. It doesn't make sense. You, you, ha- you, you ultimately have to pick one side. Do you want a lot of oil for cheap or do you want very few oil that's very expensive? Um, now, that doesn't mean I'm anti-renewables. I mm-hmm. do think it's important that we have an energy transition. But energy transitions last decades, Yeah. right? We we started the transition away from coal to gas to, to gas several decades ago, and that transition isn't even done yet. Right? I don't mm-hmm. think people realize that we're not even done transitioning away from coal yet, and and now we want to drop everything and move to renewables within mm-hmm. a matter of what ten years. It, it th- again, this is another topic that I'm extremely passionate <laughs> about, but but I think you know a country like ours. That has so much, that has so much natural resources. You know, let's let's provide that to the world while the world needs it, right? In a hundred years, okay, yeah, maybe we won't need this stuff anymore. Maybe we'll make everything out of a laboratory. But then, you know, 
will be left behind. So, you know, to me, yeah, there are some trade-offs, but ultimately, um, the benefits to human life and to Filipino life in the present, I think, far outweighs the the costs. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's so much areas to improve in those uh, in those sec- sectors, actually. And uh, with regards to you know the energy transition, yeah, I, I have so much to say actually about that also. But that's for another period because I actually profited on this uh, arbitrage between how fast the the world wants to transition immediately to to green energy without you know taking note of the oil and gas industry and also also of course i'm always biased on the oil and gas industry because i i work there <laughs> so i don't want to say any more about it yeah I, I i just as a parting thought right i i think the the most ridiculous proof of this is that in the u.s the state of california is going to start banning the sale of gas-powered vehicles right you can I think starting 2030 or something, mm-hmm. Californians can only buy electric vehicles. But at the same time, they issued a warning saying there's not enough electricity, so people, please stop charging your cars. I mean, what's it going to be? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's so much... Yeah, there's so much disparity. I mean, this this actually deserves its own episode and, and we're, <laughs> we're going to have so much uh, fun uh, talking about those but i i want to scale back again because before we <laughs> veer off we, we always veer off from the, the topic which is actually good because we we have really great conversations but i want to uh, walk back on on the philippine stocks and i want to ask about what do you think about you know those family owned companies as you mentioned they they almost own the index with their own uh, <laughs> companies that are you know uh, interconnecting interconnecting M- my opinions on them yes well i you know i, I think earlier I-, I unfairly focused too much on the negatives earlier <laughs> um i actually think there's a great deal of positives to it um because having a sort of core group of Having one parent company have all these subsidiaries, it makes their business a lot easier to understand. I know, Mm -hmm. for example, based on who the parent company is, uh, on on uh, based on that, I I kind of know which subsidiaries will outperform. For example, I know who has strong management. I know I know which companies based on that ownership will not screw their minority investors by you know by doing some ridiculous like dilution SRO or follow on offer some, some really dilutive thing to <laughs> to minority shareholders right so I think that little bit of information uh helps me a lot in avoiding those traps that I think that I think a lot of retail investors already know also, right? I, I don't think it's rocket science. Uh, and I think that is an edge that a lot of people have on the local market that, that is underappreciated. Mm-hmm. So um, to, to provide us an example, um, of course, this is not a 
stock tip or anything just to uh, give uh, the foreign listeners out there to like uh, a dip on how, how what the company in the Philippines looks like uh, any interesting stock or company in the Philippine market that is worth can be worth your while yeah I think that's a perfect question to follow up your previous question mm-hmm. I think the company that ties up our entire conversation for the last hour or so perfectly <laughs> is AC Energy Oh. AC Energy is a member of the AC universe of stocks. So it's one of those large conglomerate su- subsidiaries. It also happens to be a renewable energy stock. right? In fact, their corporate mission is to be Southeast Asia's largest renewable energy producer. Yes. That is an incredibly lofty goal. Now, Going back to your point about having a large conglomerate parent. If Ayala, the parent company, was not was not the company behind AC Energy, I would say that their mission to be Southeast Asia's largest was bullshit. Right? I I would assume that this is just some marketing ploy to get people excited about the stock. Mm-hmm. But because they have that Ayala brand behind them, Ayala it premium. gives it a lot of weight, right? These guys are very sophisticated. Uh, you know, they raise a ton of money with bond offerings. They hire, you know, some of the smartest people. So yeah, I don't see why they couldn't be Southeast Asia's largest. Uh, add on to the fact that, you know, renewable energy is a sexy new thing, Right say what you want about ESG, but mm-hmm. it it will undoubtedly send inflows into that stock from all over the world, from foreign investors, you know, from the US to Europe to Japan. So yeah, I, I you know, that's one stock that I think is the most one of the most interesting stocks in the Philippines right now. You know, it's not a sleepy stock. Um, it's also not a penny stock. Mm-hmm. It's an index stock with a huge growth potential, right? Because, you know, you get index stocks that are quite boring, you know, banks, property developers. I mean, they're not really reinventing the wheel here. However, once you start looking at really high upside growth stocks, you sort of have to venture out of the index and into sort of small cap, mid cap stocks that don't necessarily have, you know, the... How do I put this politically correct? That that might not have the um, compliance level of an index stock. They don't have that sort of uh, oversight. But I think this hits both those worlds perfectly. You have you have sort of a mega cap index name with a very reputable parent company and incredible upside with you know because it's a company with regional aspirations for an emerging technology i'm going to stop talking about it now because i feel like i'm pitching it too hard <laughs> but you but know the... I, just to answer your question i think that is sort of one of the if not the most interesting stock in the pse mm-hmm. i was actually i was about to ask um Aside from its great story, how about its valuations? And I want to also um, 
to touch into the subject on how accounting standards are being um, done in the Philippines because I, I, I that it's one of the most important things for foreign investors also. Well, as far as accounting standards are concerned, it 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 fits you know your your gap standards mm-hmm. by a mile, right? AC Energy has has introduced has already offered tons of green bonds offshore. So them, their parent company, their sister companies, they're very well adept at the financial markets. So uh, it's not something that that is out of the ordinary. You might have that issue with smaller cap stocks, mm-hmm. right? Their books are a little fishy. Who knows? Um, but it's certainly not an issue for them. Um, yeah. Sorry, what was the other question? Uh, yeah, I, I, because um, in my in, 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 personally, for me, uh, ASEN, you know, it's it's actually really overpriced. But w- what do you think about the valuations? <laughs> oh, valuation! Right, right, yes. right. Valuation is ultimately something that you pay for growth potential, mm-hmm. and that's why to me it's not that big of a deal right mm. it's a high growth company so your thesis there is that it can grow into the valuation right as its top line grows that multiple looks less and less lofty um now if you're a value investor you probably wouldn't touch this stock no um but i must say i must say right warren buffett's most successful investment of all time Geico. it's not coca-cola it's not Geico. Oh, it's it's Apple Computer. Ah, yes, yes, right, yeah. Twenty eight. Apple Computer yes. is is the single biggest you know stock holding that he has, and the single biggest contributor to his net worth. And he didn't buy Apple Computer in nineteen eighty nine. He didn't buy it in nineteen ninety five. He didn't even buy it in two thousand five. He bought Apple Computer in what twenty seventeen? Yeah, around right twenty sixteen. Late twenty seventeen. Yeah. Right. And Apple was not a value stock in 2016, 2017, right? The iPhone was out. The iPad was out. I think the earpods, the AirPods were already a product. This was very firmly in high PE growth stock stage. So for you mm-hmm. value investors out there, you know, I I would, you know, try to be a little bit more open-minded about the high PE stocks. <laughs> Ouch. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Message received. Message received. But uh, <laughs> I, I don't want to drag it more further because we're out of time now. It it warrants a different episode again. I really want to debate you on that, but <laughs> but uh, that deserves its own episode. So I I I want to move now before um for those new listeners that don't know you. Uh, what in which uh, places they can connect more with you and find you yeah absolutely for, b- b- before i say that I, i'm gonna have to apologize for all of these tangents that we went on <laughs> i think it's a testament to to how well we get along and mm-hmm. you know how how fluid the conversation can get so i i, I apologize to the listeners <laughs> for for all the little tangents that we went on but i hope it was entertaining mm-hmm. um for for the listeners who want to get in touch i am I am all I'm on Twitter. I'm on Twitter quite a lot. It's <laughs> at WM Kabangon, W M C A B A N G O N. You can reach me there. Um, yeah. 
yeah i i also i i always make sure to put that in the show notes so yeah so i actually for the last question i actually changed my <laughs> the last question i asked uh, on my guest before the end of the show to a new one because my, my last question was quite really broad in a sense that it also gave a, a pattern to my previous guests that they almost say exact the same words <laughs> or answers so so I, I i changed the question to a bit more i actually stole it from um the value investing with the legends from the colombia business school uh, podcast so so I, I i'm always apologizing with them in in the in every episode but the question is here mm. what worries you and also excites you about the future what keeps you awake at night uh, may it be like a financial trend or or anything that bothers you uh, for the future and also excites you what bothers me about the future i that's a, that's a great question i think what worries me the most about the future is how polarized our world is getting mm-hmm. i think i think views are getting a bit more and more extreme on on all sides of the spectrum right i i think not just politically but even on social issues on financial issues right you have i mean just our discussion earlier about about renewable energy right some people believe we need to stop mining for oil today while other people are like we need to keep mining for for oil for the next 100 years um i think these are issues that that need to be discussed thoughtfully and not uh, not ide- ideologically, so you know that is something that that keeps me up at night. You know the mob mentality. Mm-hmm. Um, what excites me about the future? You know, I, I would never bet against humanity. <laughs> all all of all of these issues that that keep me up at night. You know, they ultimately work them work themselves out, right? I think humans are incredibly resilient creatures we are incredibly intelligent um society for all its flaws ultimately finds solutions to its problems so you know I, what excites me is that everything eventually turns out okay it it it's just a rocky road getting there yes as because as you've said or you mentioned earlier on as investors we need to be optimists you know uh, if you're an investor, you're automatically right. an, an optimist because, of course, you you invest you invest on something that will be better in the future. So you don't invest on things that will go bad. So, yeah, it's a great answer as as always. And and again, I really appreciate you being here on the show. And uh, it was a really a good conversation that we had, even with a lot of you know tangents and but we managed to stay on track. And it was a good uh, closing on uh, on ASEAN energy and such. <laughs> so yeah, thank you. Yeah, it's totally my pleasure. Thank you. I I, I hope you had fun. I certainly had fun, and I hope this the, the listeners uh, walked out of this episode with at least one thing, one new thing they learned. No, I I think it's not only one thing, <laughs> but I hope in the future uh, in the future I can have you again because we we discussed that some of the things that we've been talking in the conversation, the off-tangents, deserve their own episodes. Yeah, absolutely. I would love to do that. 